The Go Radio Network presents the Comedy Shack. I am your host, Joey Harris, bringing you uh, stories from my life, um, ins and outs of the comedy world every single week. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining me this week on the Comedy Shack. Uh, As always, you can get me on Twitter at TheJoeyHarris, and my email is JoeyHarrisComedy at Gmail. Dot com. I would like to thank you all for joining me. If you're joining me live, uh, I do appreciate it. It is a beautiful Saturday night where I am. <clears throat> Maybe you're out and about listening uh, on your tablet or your smartphone or your computer. Or you're in your car. We've talked about in the past people hook up there. Bluetooth devices and, and uh, stream the show live, or if you're picking us up during the week or whenever through the on-demand podcast, I do appreciate it. I spoke with Big TJ this week uh, via text, and he told me the numbers for March, and I tell you, I'm just blown away. It's just outstanding. Uh, the the people who hang on the core dedicated group of this audience, but I would like for you to do two things for me this week. Um, uh, Number one, uh, please contact me if you do listen to this show. You can contact me via Twitter at Harris, or just drop me a quick email to say, hey, I like your show, or I don't like your show. I'll I'll take either, or or that you're just listening in. Uh, I, I would appreciate some feedback I continue to try to grow and, and to make the show the, the best show that I know how to make it. And that's my goal that I bring to you each and every week. And number two, tell somebody about the show. If you like it, um, tell someone and, and send them the links or, or invite them to listen in live or or have them listen with you. Uh, do listener parties. So, Let's grow this show together. Let's let's do everything that we can to make this show the biggest and the best show that it can be. Uh, as we move forward into April, I'm going to try to have some some guests on here so that I can talk comedy and, and all other aspects uh, to people and get their feedback. And then as we move forward into this month and continue to grow the show. Happy April, by the way. This is the first Saturday in April. Uh, April's going to be bigger and better for all of us. We're all going to have a great uh, April. And I do apologize ahead of time. I was over the allergies, the cold, whatever it is that I had. I would say about 99%. And then this week, I don't know, changing the weather or it just came back, but I do apologize, but it is back, but I'm on the cold medicine and the throat drops and lozenges and I've got something to drink here beside me, so I'm going to try to power through the next um, hour as we bring you the time of the shack on the Go Radio Network. A couple of things as we kick off this week is Got a couple of happy trails. Um, happy trails is 
just taking a second to recognize and to think about and honor those that have left us this week. And I've got a couple. Uh, first of all, as, as many of you know, Roger Ebert passed away this week um, at 70 after a long battle with cancer. Uh, Roger Ebert, I mean, what can you say? Definitely, along with Gene Siskel, the look and the voice of modern movie critics. Siskel and Ebert changed the way that we look at movies. and I mean, that's just a fact. That's not a statement. That's not hyperbole. That's that's the way that it is. Uh, without those two, you don't have modern movie criticism. And uh, for that, for his um, tireless efforts to promote movies and, and to really give a voice to people who watch movies, uh, we say happy trails to Roger Ebert. Um, found out about someone else who passed away this week. And when I say the name, you probably won't know who it is, but if if you're a fan of good character actors or comedy or drama, you'll know who I mean. Uh, Malo O'Shea passed away this week. Um, he was a character actor, starred in a lot of things, um, Oz, early edition, the West Wing. He played the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court on the West Wing, and he was also in Cheers. Cheers, if you know the uh, episode where Woody and Kelly get married, I believe, if I know my Cheers history, that is the only episode of the series that is fully set outside of the bar uh, itself. It's an hour-long episode at the end of season 10, I believe. And he plays Kelly's uncle, who is going to perform the wedding service, and he's drunk. And so they try to sober him up, and they get him halfway sober, and they find out he's just surly and just so hard to get along with when he's drunk and doesn't want to do anything, so... Who they said about to get him drunk again. So, um, also in a classic episode of the Golden Girls, as a um, supposed former army buddy, I say in air quotes, of Rose's late husband Charlie, but he went by a character named Buddy. He was just really a con man. He wanted Rose's money, but has a change of heart at the last minute. So, if you've seen any of those episodes, that was Milo O'Shea, and a uh, great character actor. He passed away this weekend. He, he will be missed. Speaking of the other shows on the Go Radio Network, Big TJ has launched what he calls kind of like a, a late-night show called the 10 p.m. show on the, on the network, and it's a really great show, really good. And he was talking this past week, right at the beginning, about the finale of The Sopranos. Now, I'm probably, even though I said I wanted uh, feedback, uh, this is probably what I'm going to get feedback on. I admittedly have never seen one episode of The Sopranos. Um, 
all the way through. I think this piece is, and I, I think I've talked about my neighbors growing up, who I'll talk about in, in more depth in, in just a few minutes, loved The Sopranos. I mean, they were just over the, over the moon about it. And watched, I think, the first four or five seasons. I, I don't know how I would have to go back and look, see how it ended up, but definitely they ended in the beginning. Uh, but unfortunately, both passed away before the series ended. And even though not seeing it, I do know the the controversy about the ending and Big TJ said it, in his opinion, it was the greatest finale episode of that he's ever seen. Uh, but stuff like that, I think, is always so subjective. I'm not saying he's wrong. Definitely not saying he's wrong. He's the boss. He's right about everything. But having not seen it, um, I, I do know that there's been a lot written about it, a lot of theories put forth as to why the screen all of a sudden was blank. Was it a cop-out or and all of that. He gets up, uh, Big TJ gets into that. So go over after the show to the Golden Radio Network and listen to this past week's episode of the Tim PM show and get Big TJ's thoughts on all of that. <clears throat> also, that there's a you know, just a wonderful, wonderful actor. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, not actor, author. Lawrence Block, who writes oh, just fantastic books. We have a book, too, that I'm just a huge fan of called the Matthew Scudder series. If you like great mysteries, if you like just great books in general, books about New York and just the atmosphere and the scenery, check out the Matthew Scudder series. I really think that you'll you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, it's a great um, there, uh, but he came out with, and, and they're both novels and short stories, but I got his complete short story collection of the Matthew Scudder novels about a year ago on uh, Kindle. And I was reading it, and there's a, uh, a character in the novel who's kind of like a, a, a connected man, a mobster, whatever you want to call it. His name is Nick Ballou. And he and Scudder have a discussion about the final episode of The Sopranos. It's called uh, Nick Looks at the Blank Screen, I think is the name of it. But if, if you can, just speak out and, and, and read that. Uh, it'll be worth your, your time. But uh, hearing Big TJ talk about The Sopranos finale made me start thinking about different finales of shows that I've seen. I'm a big TV junkie, but I'm a completist. I like to start things from the uh, beginning and go all the way to the end. Um, The last three weeks I had spent talking about my relationship with my male ex and our time together, especially the last couple of years of my life, but we spent, uh, because of my former job, uh, my summers weren't always busy. We would spend several summers, you know, we would pick a book and read it. We would 
pick a series and watch it all the way through. I've watched even the the girly stuff. I watched um, Sex in the City, X Files, The West Wing, uh, Angel, Nash. All of those um, we we watched all the way through and, and enjoyed. And I was just thinking, and I wrote down some of the all-time great finales. And for me, uh, some I would put on there, Lost. Um, I go back and forth on the Lost finale, and especially that final season. I don't like, and if, spoiler alert, if you have not gotten into Lost, get into it. I think overall these series is worth the book. I don't like what they did with these characters in John Locke. Um, I think he deserved a better ending for his character than what he got. Um, that's just overall overarching down note that his character got, and he deserved better. So, uh, but the finale of that, I think. No, it didn't answer all the questions. No, it, you know, left some things open. Uh, from what I hear, I've not seen, but from what I've heard, there's like a little coda or epilogue tacked on to the final season on DVD or the complete series on DVD or Blu-ray that kind of wraps up some of the lost uh, unanswered questions. But I think as far as, a fitting and satisfying conclusion to the series overall, a, a perfect bookend is that final scene. I'm back. Sorry. Maybe I'm got unhooked there for just a second because I, I, I took my mic out <laughs> because I tend to talk with my hands, but <clears throat> We're back, and that that perfect final scene with the character of Jack, and just the way that it ends, the perfect bookend to the beginning of that scene. And I would take the uh, series as overall as being a pretty good series. First two uh, seasons, I think, were the best, but yeah, it's a pretty good show. Um, <clears throat> Another show that did not have a great, it's one of my favorite series, it didn't have a great series finale was Seinfeld. I think it was a good idea, but it had bad execution in the way, excuse me, that it turned out. But just to have so many characters and just draw back and have um, so much. Uh, callback from earlier episodes. I do think, as far as an idea, that that was a really great idea that they had. Again, not great in execution, but I think the series as a whole still stands up. And I heard today that that show has made $6 billion with a B dollars in syndication in the past 15 years. You think about it. There's not been a new pro- 
produced episode of Seinfeld in 15 years, yet it has produced $6 billion in profit <clears throat> for uh, the people who own that period, including $400 million each to Jerry Kleinfeld and to Larry David, the co-creators. That's $23 million a year for not doing anything. So it could work if you, if you can get it. I don't begrudge them one nickel of it because it was their idea. They went out, they struggled, and they got it. And if you can struggle and struggle, but don't give up on your dreams and able to grab that uh, brass ring and run with it, then who am I to be mad? You know, I should just work harder and grab my own success. It's not one pie rate, you feel me? Or if it is one pie, ever-expanding pie, go out and grab your slice of it. Don't begrudge another man his slice of it. All right, that's enough of that. <clears throat> another great finale was the West Wing. Um, great overarching end to one administration, the Bartlett administration on that show, and beginning of the Santos administration. If you ever get any time, look into the parallel of real life of characters on that show. It's pretty interesting uh, to to see who they draw comparisons from, and also what happened in real life that kind of mirrored the uh, the West Wing. <laughs> but it was a really good thing, and then to what I think is the greatest finale of them all. 1990, the finale of the series New Heart. Bob Newhart's second sitcom as innkeeper Dick Loudon in Vermont. In the last episode, he... Um, the town has been taken over by Japanese businessmen who turned the town into a golf course, and he refuses to sell out. And at the end, all the other people think that he is right to say to not sell out, and then he gets bonked in the head with a golf ball, goes down, only to come back up in the bedroom and next to the wife that he had on his first sitcom, The Bob Newhart Show, Suzanne Plachette. So they set it off as this entire second sitcom is just a dream that his character from his first sitcom as. Wow. And he said that as soon as they dim the lights, and everyone went away from that shot of him getting bonked in the head. They dim the lights, and, they, you know, they darken the set, and they set it up. As soon as they bring up the lights, everyone starts applauding and, and laughing, and everyone immediately gets it. And I immediately got it. And 
I hope that that's out there. Maybe it's on YouTube or something or, or on demand. I know they're doing great things with video on demand, services and DVD on demand. Uh, Time Life is about to come out with a complete collection of China Beach with about, I think they said 95% of the music that they use on that show is still going to be on there. Now, music rights are a huge thing in the DVD release uh, business, but I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm going to get that actually for my dad. You know, it's one of his favorite shows, Time of Beach, but uh, they do crazy things from the from Valley in the final season of China Beach. So. Just stuff, ideas for debate and things to ponder. Uh, so send me emails and, and hit me up on Twitter about some of your favorite finales or what you think of what I've shared. And, you know, maybe we'll have a discussion uh, of other great finales in the upcoming weeks. Um, a cool website to check out uh, was sent me this week, and I wanted to share with you all. DistanceToMars.com. Check that out. It gives you a really good perspective of how far Mars is away from the Earth. And it, it does a very cool thing. But I will say this. Either go to a tablet or go to a computer and check out that. Uh, it's very important that you do that. Um, only because of the way that they set it up for you to to look at that. So that's distanttomars.com. And now I would like to share a joke with you all. Um, many years ago, well, not many years, a couple years ago, I think I discussed that I did a stand-up show at, my, at the uh, college that I used to work at. And I told this story. It's not mine. I got it from the author. The author says, if you have a performance from somebody, you need to tell this story. Um, <clears throat> John and his roommate, Michael, invite John's mother over for dinner. And during the course of the evening, she kind of noticed that there may have been something more than just a roommate situation going on between um, John and his roommate. She'd long question John's sexuality, but John, reading her mind, says, Mom, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I assure you, Michael and I are just roommates. She says, fine, and they continue uh, dinner. About a week later, Michael comes to John and goes, you know, our beautiful silver gravy label is missing. And I don't want to say anything, but it was here when we had dinner with your mother, but I had not been able to find it either. It's happening. So, John writes to his mother, Dear Mom, I'm not saying you took our gravy ladle, and I'm not saying that you didn't take our gravy ladle. But the fact remains that 
our gravy label is missing, and we want to know if you know anything about it. Love, your son. A few days later, he receives a reply back in the mail. Dear son, I'm not saying that you and Michael are gay, and I'm not saying that you and Michael aren't gay. But the fact remains that if Michael was sleeping in his own bed, he'd have found the gravy ladle by now. I love mom. <laughs> That's a fantastic story. And I love telling the late B. Arthur. She was just something, something else, wasn't she? She was just a fantastic lady. And it can see me. Yes, but you want to hear that story and other stories by the author. Great songs, great performance. Uh, look up the author on Broadway. You can order it on Amazon or get it through iTunes, and it's, it's really worth the, the money paid for it. Great song. Great stories. <clears throat> this brings me to the main story this week. I come from a very difficult family in the fact that I don't have any grandparents. Now, this is not to say that I never had any grandparents, but I don't currently. As a grandparent. My father's parents were both had both passed away before I was born. Uh, my mother's mother died in uh nineteen eighty six. My great grandmother, who I was just so privileged to know for eighteen years, died in ninety six. And my grandfather my mother's father passed away in 2003. So that is what happened to all my real, not for these quotation marks, grandparents, but <clears throat> feeling a lot of that void were my next door neighbors growing up. And I always say this whenever I'm on stage and tell stories about it. They were like grandparents to my two sisters and me. My older sister and I both stayed at their house when we were younger. <clears throat> and they really feel into that that role of grandparents, uh, George and Odessa Harris. Now, they were related to us distantly, even though both of our names are here, we're distant, distant cousins. But they did fulfill that role of grandparents for us all of, our, all of their lives that we knew them. Um, we would just stay over there and um, we called them Nanny. Uh, which is 
a playoff of a traditional nanny role, and also like a nano or grandmother, but nanny and butch. And I don't know where butch come from, but butch or butchy. But for, for this conversation, nanny and butch. And stayed over there a lot, I remember. Either going over or staying over Friday night, the Incredible Hulk would be on. I love the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk at the same time scared me. So I would run behind Butch's chair anytime that David Banner, Bill Bixby, and the old TV show would turn into a Hulk and hide and wait until the transformation was over before I would come back out. That was on. The Dukes of Hazard was on in Dallas. And then going to sleep over there and making up. And Saturday morning. Saturday mornings when you're a kid, it's just, that's your time. No one else has time but yours. Oh, the great things. The great cartoons. You know, when cartoons were cartoons, is what I say. Um, the Smurfs, the Snork, uh Looney Tunes, uh, the list just goes on and on, you know. When, when you just unwound from the week, you didn't have to have the educational or informational cartoons, you just had cartoons. I would just enjoy just going over there watching cartoons and eating cereal. Just it's a great time. And then getting older and going over there to watch wrestling on Saturdays on cable or on satellite rather because we didn't have satellite or cable and just being able to join myself, even as I got older, to watch wrestling on Saturdays. And just being that atmosphere around them was just, just unbelievable. And I was going through Kind of a hard stretch in August of 2004. Looking for a job. It was about two or three weeks away from getting a job in security at a college, which would really shape the next eight years of my life. And. I was up at my parents uh, putting in applications, just anything, anywhere. Stopped by to see Danny and Butch, and to visit with them and to just spend time with them, eat lunch with them, and then after lunch, sitting there reading a book. And I was in the front bedroom. I just happened to fall asleep. Now, they had a lady 
to come in and would uh, clean the house once a week just to help them tidy up. She thought I was sick. And she went in and said, you know, said, is, is he okay? He said, I think he's falling asleep. I didn't know he was sick or whatever. And then he said, he's okay. He just knows he's home. And, and he's safe here. And that was very true. I was safe, Sam. There was a show on NBC in the early 90s called The Torkelson. In the first episode, the mother who has a bunch of kids takes in a a border. And the the show kind of centers around this girl, Darcy Jane, her oldest daughter. And she has promised this border, Darcy Jane Poon, because of the day, it is the nicest room in the house, the nicest bedroom in the house. <clears throat> and the <clears throat> older man hears the discussion about this between Darcy Jane and her mother. And Darcy Jane tells her mother that, you know, you've done a lot of things. I usually don't mind what you do, but this was my one place that I could go to get it away from all that, that I didn't have to worry about anything else. This was my shelter from the storm. And the older man hears this makes up something and decides that he'd rather have the small room that is in the basement. And the mother goes and leaves to prepare. And Dorothy Jane realizes that he has basically given up the room for her. And she wants to know why. And he says that everyone needs to have a shelter from the storm. And that's what Nina Mitch's house was for me. It was my shelter from the storm. Flash forward three weeks. I interviewed for the security job. Passed the first interview. I find to go to Cary. <coughs> Excuse me. Go to Cary. Pass the second interview. Go to testing. Pass my test. Get my license. And start work. Work for two weeks and then have a few days off. And I go and visit my parents and then visit Nanny and Butchie. And Nanny wasn't doing really well. And it upset me great. You never want to see someone you care about 
hurting or suffering in any way. So then I had to work that weekend and Friday night before I'm scheduled to work, I'm to work overnight, Friday night and overnight Saturday. My mom tells me that they've taken Manny to the hospital and it doesn't look good. And that she would call me and update me. And so I go to work that Friday night and get home, check in. Things are about the same, but it's still not looking good. So all my wife, she was working at a local place, and she said, start the laundry. I'll do, you can start laundry, and then when you go to work, I'll finish laundry and have us packed and ready to go. So that's what happened. And get up the next morning, pick up my wife, and she has the luggage ready, and we take off. (coughs) Excuse me. And we drive, and we get to my parents' house, and after sleeping for just a little while, we go and we visit and she going in and out of consciousness, but as we came in, she still knows still knew who I was, and we were just sitting there, and my mom gets a call. And my uncle on my dad's side of the family, my uncle by marriage, my uncle Vernon has had a stroke. And my aunt is there with him at the hospital by herself. He's got children from a previous marriage, but they're not able to get there. She was there by herself. And so my mom and my dad go to be with her and the rest of us are there at the hospital with Manny. We go we stay in the hospital till late on Sunday night and go home and the next day my wife goes back to work and then we get a call from my older sister that Manny had passed away. It had been quite a while since I had felt a hurt that deep. called my wife and told her and then we went on up to the hospital we get to the hospital and we can go in and 
you know, say our goodbyes and, and see her. And I go in, and, and her granddaughter is there with her. She didn't look like she was in pain anymore, which was good, but she was no longer there. And I've always had trouble expressing emotion or a lot of emotion around people. So I just stayed for a few minutes, and then I went to the restroom and composed myself. And so we were waiting for the man from the funeral home to show up. Finally, he shows up and 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 talks with the family. He says, I'll go in and do whatever it is I have to do to prepare the body. And I set it up and, you know, my car's just outside and we're just going to we'll go. We'll, we'll put the sheet over her body. We'll wheel it out into the elevator. We'll go directly down. I'll load it up, and then we'll go. And the family all says, okay, that, that's fine. We'll, we'll follow you out. He goes in to prepare the body or whatever they do. And the rest of us just sit in there talking, you know, making arrangements, doing different things, and all of a sudden, we hear this just fantastic noise coming from the end of the hall. Someone, I believe it was a man, had had a psychotic break and was, I mean, just going crazy and swinging wildly. And they were trying to uh, get him situated and get him settled and calm him down. They told us to freeze and stay where we were, and we were in the little lobby area that's in between these two hallways. It was just a very harrowing time. I think someone finally rushed him and put a bear hug on him, or they wrapped him in some sheets, and it finally got him calmed down enough for them to bring the body out. We follow it down. My great aunt volunteers at the hospital she had come up well why don't we go get something to eat for breakfast you asked I you know I thought that was a good idea because I hadn't eaten anything I just once we got in the the word I just quickly you know splashed some water on my face brushed my teeth and my hair and you know, just put on a shirt and a pair of jeans we come off the elevator, headed to our cars to go get some breakfast, and this girl comes up to me and touches my arm. She's like, those are pretty jeans. That's a pretty shirt. And you're a pretty man. I sure would like to go out with you. And and a fog had just, you know, settled over my entire body. I just couldn't grasp or couldn't comprehend what she was saying. I had just lost one of the most important people in my life. One. Two, I was certainly just, you know, 
I not walk off the pages of Vogue magazine. I just throw on some clothes because you got to throw on some clothes and go in that situation. And three, I was a married man at the time. So I disengaged from her. And then left. We go get some breakfast. We come back home. You know, everybody's making plans and this, that, and the other. And my dad said he would come back up to see his sister again and ask if I wanted to go. So we did, and I did it so that I could get my mind on something else and away from just all this, the bad thoughts and the bad feelings that I was feeling at the time. And so we drive, and the hospital was like two and a half hours away. I drove, and we go on up, and we sit there with with my aunt for a while. We finally go back, and my uncle was in a coma. And just, I remember him being such a good guy, so vibrant. To see them in this state, it just tore my heart again. And so we stay there for a while, and then we get ready to leave. We go on out, we're driving back, and it was around dinner time. My dad's like, Do you want to just, you know, pull over somewhere fast food and just get some burgers, eat them, and then go? And I said, That would be fine. And so, Next exit that comes up and has food and pull in, and there's a McDonald's. And so we pull up and we go park the car. And as we're getting out of the car, this man is there with a couple other people. He's like, "Oh, you're headed back to this place and to see this person," and it was so very spot on that it was scary. This man knew who we were, where we were headed, about two and a half hours away from that place at this random McDonald's. This man basically knows everything about us. And we just looked at him like, what? And he goes, yeah, I know who you are. And so we just, you know, kind of shook it off and go in and get our food, but it was very disconcerting. And that was on Monday. And they, very uh, many on Wednesday. I go back to work the following weekend. Oh, no, I worked Thursday and Friday and had the next weekend off. So we come up and spend some time with Butch. It's much more loving now and much more open. Even after moving to wife of 61 years. 
and we go and then we head back home. My wife and I. It's Monday night. My dad calls me and tells me that my uncle Vernon had passed away just a short, short time before. And so I arrange to get some time off from work and we go up for that funeral, which is the Thursday after. And then I work on Friday and again have the weekend off. And so my wife and I are coming back up for another weekend with Butchie. So <clears throat> get off Friday and she gets off. We have her clothes bag and we come up. We pull up into the yard and my dad is there and he tells us that just a short time before that my mom had checked on Butchie he wasn't feeling well. Hadn't been feeling well all day and was complaining of chest pain. And so they had taken him to the local hospital and they realized that he was going to need more serious care. And so they took him to Durham to the medical center. And so there we were off at Duke. Another hospital. My third one in two weeks. And so the doctor came out at ICU they had stabilized him and we could go back and see him but after the weekend he was going to need very serious bypass surgery. Um, either four or five. I don't have any blocks just yet. It was four or more. So I went back to see him. And we talked. And I knew other people wanted to see him. And so I went to go. And he asked me if I would stay a minute longer. And then he said, I wish you could have been on that flight here with me. It was the most, one of the most unbelievable things in my life. And I wish you would stop there with me to experience it. Now, this was a World War II veteran with a Purple Heart that he got on D-Day. And I told him I wish that I had been there, too. And so I went out, and other people came in, and his son was back there with him when all of a sudden, he goes into cardiac arrest again. The family rushes back. And I told you that 
I don't do well with emotion. That didn't take I went into the bathroom. I went down the hall. I went into the bathroom. And I just prayed, Lord, please. I don't think I can take another loss. And then I thought, maybe if I just stay here, in this bathroom forever. That life won't move forward from this moment. But as you and I both know, life always moves forward from that moment. There's a song from Monty Python called Always Look on the Bright Side of Your Life. And there's a lyric in that song that says, you must always face the curtain with a bow. So I straighten myself up. Splash some water on my face. Wash my hands. And open the door. And my wife was standing there. And I knew before she even said it what she was going to say. She said he didn't make it. I don't know about the unknown. I don't know all the answers. I'm not even smart enough to know the questions. But I know in my heart that he knew that his time was ending. Because right after I left him that last time, I think he knew then. He asked the nurse to bring him a do not resuscitate pill. And he signed it, and the nurse witnessed it. He and Annie were married for 61 years and died 11 days apart. And I don't care what anyone says. He literally died of a broken heart. That's love. But that night, leaving the hospital, my wife driving headed north out of Durham. That episode of the Torkelsons came back to me. And it hit me. 
I lost my shelter from the storm. And there would be no more Saturdays. To watch cartoons. To eat cereal. To watch wrestling. And to be a team. But you know, I still have the memories, the good times, the times when I was taken care of. The times that I was lost, and in those times, you realize that your memories and in, in your heart is always sad. And that's what I'd like to leave you with this week, ladies and gentlemen. Love the people you love. Let them know how much they mean to you. If you have parents, let them know. If you have grandparents, you call them up and tell them that you love them. I wish that I could tell them As always, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash djoeyharris. Email me, joeyharriscomedy at gmail.com Find me on Facebook. Friend me on Facebook. Facebook.com slash JoeyH37. And I promise, I promise that I will get to the 37th story this week. I'm going to have to hold off and we'll get it to you next week. And I'm working on getting a guest for next week. Um, but if I get a guest or if I don't get a guest, I will be here and we'll have fun and we'll talk. But send me your finale stories, ones that you enjoy. Send me your email or your tweets to let me know that you listen to the show. Share it with someone else and let's grow this and make this the best show on the Go Radio Network. They're all great shows, but we're going to rise this tide and we're going to have the best show that we know how to make it. Go out, have a great night, make it a great week. We'll see you back here next week. Until next time, Good night, and God bless.